HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey! Hey, it's February 11th, 2014. Jimmy Carbonian. Jimmy Ludwig from the All Happy right. Hour Guys. Here we are, Beer Sessions Radio. S-N-D. Jimmy's number 43, Good Beer Seal, Happy Hour Guys. We're here, it's uh, February, it's been cold in New York City, uh, and this is a night where Jimmy's brought in another guy from Michigan. Oh uh, yeah, I brought a buddy of mine from Michigan. Uh, you might have heard of him before. His name's Larry Bell. Have you ever met Larry before? He, he has. I, he runs a little brewery out there. I haven't. But what's fun is it you you were in Michigan for the holidays. You came back. Yeah, I did. You called your friends in Upper Peninsula. Yeah, we, Black friend, Rock. Black Rock's brewing up in Marquette. Some yep. buddies of mine. We I wish I had him on the show a little while ago. And we had a buddy. Uh, we had uh, the CEO of uh, Jolly Pumpkin visit in New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been trying to get Larry Bell for a while, and it was I think it's because of you. That we actually thought we should invite him on the show, because <laughs> apparently this is like the big rollout in New York of, of Bells, and I'm not sure why everybody's been you know hankering for it, because I never had it before. Um, what, what, what's so great about Bells, Jimmy? Well, I mean, I, we should let Larry speak for himself, you know, but I, I just got to say that as far as Michigan goes, Larry kind of started the whole thing rolling, you know what I mean? Back in, was it 84, Larry, or 85 when you were really rolled out? Uh, we opened in 85. 85. Um, your daughter, uh, who I also know, who works for you, she's uh, the VP of your marketing. Is that right, Laura? Uh, she's just straight up vi- vice, vice president. Vice now. president. Yeah. Now. That's cool. She mentioned a story about you were brewing on your own and a rock band or something stopped by to pick up. Can you yeah. tell? <laughs> well, you know, I had the homebrew store and then I kind of saw what was going on around the country. And so I was brewing some beer in my basement whatnot. And I might have been selling some some beer ten dollars a case <laughs> and there was one and people were showing up that i didn't know uh-huh. i think this was getting out of control and you know there's the knock one night on the door 10 o'clock at night i'm the only one home it's like the hair went up on my neck like that might be the revenuers <laughs> and uh i was a little scared but i opened the door and hey larry 
Yeah, it's the bluegrass band, Great Lakes Grass. <laughs> hey, Larry, we're going on the road. We got ten bucks for a case of that cream stout. <laughs> I, oh, thank God! And and the next day, I wrote to the federal government, and said, "What do I got to do to get a license?" Because it, it was time to fish or cut bait. Right on. And that was the Kalamazoo Brewing Company back in those days, right before. No, this was, was just home brewer. That was just home brewing. That was home okay. brewing. Let's okay. slow down. So, Larry, how did you get started? I mean, you started with a homebrew shop. Yeah, I had the homebrew shop in '83, which was sort of a front to. To you know, spider web to catch unsuspecting flies that wandered in that I could sell shares in the new company to, and uh, you know I started out. We sold thirty-two thousand dollars worth of stock and seven thousand dollar loan from the bank. So we started with thirty-nine thousand dollars, and basically most of which was pissed away on pre-operational rent and fixing the place up. And you know I opened up with a fifteen-gallon soup pot. And some uh, plastic garbage pails for fermenters. <laughs> uh, it was a legalized home brewery uh, to start with. Well, well it sounds like a, a lot of small breweries that, that we've seen open around the country and in, and in, in New York. We got some great guests today too. That we're we'll be talking with Larry all, all night tonight. Jimmy Ludwig, uh, Paul Kermazian from Barcade. He's got uh, three, soon to be four bars in, in the New York area. He's hosting uh, a night with you tonight. Uh, Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks. All right. And Josh Bernstein, who's uh, one of our top beer writers, a complete beer course, and he's hosting some special events for New York City Beer Week. Welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah so Josh, you, you know in particular, there's a, there's a few other brewers that you know who've kind of started the way that Larry Bell did, and if you want to just elaborate on that. <laughs> you're catching me off guard right now. Well, you're the guy. You've been asking. <laughs> he's the guy that's he's like encouraging all these home brewers, and, and now quite a few of them are becoming pros, from homebrew to pro, kind of like how Larry did. I mean, it's a pretty... I mean, in New York City in particular, it's a pretty common story here and across the nation. I mean, that's how you go about and uh, that's how you learn. You uh, make a batch, you make another batch, and sometimes someone's like, hey, I think I want to buy your beer. And that kind of starts that thing in the back of your head where you go forward to make it happen. In New York City, we're seeing this happen a ton with uh, Finback Brewing. Uh, other half brewing just opened up. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just endless. I mean, it's just with the ability and the resources out there right now. Like some of the homebrew being made is just as good as professional beer. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually going somewhere because of the, we've had a show last week talking about what is a contract brewery, what what is a brewery. We 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 saw Blue Point get bought by a, a big beer company, mm-hmm. and I, I want to draw on these roots that Larry actually started the way that many of our peers are doing now. Just had a homebrew shop and what you raise shares, and I think that's an interesting story. And let's try to stay on that. Uh, uh, you know, I, so I guess uh, in a way I'm sort of the country's original nano brewer. Uh, <laughs> there was a guy in Chelsea, Michigan, who had a a, a one barrel system. I actually bought his brew kettle off of him for a hundred bucks. It was a piece of junk. Um, we never fired it again. We only used it at mash done. But I started out doing fifteen gallons um, and survived. So you know, there's there's been guys to do it, but I think we're the like the nano brewery that actually survived, and now, yeah, there's there are people opening, you know, they're opening with a twenty barrel kettle or yeah. or really want to have a lot of stuff. But a lot of the explosion here in New York around the country mm-hmm. is nano breweries. They haven't quit their day job, mm-hmm. you know, but they're out brewing one barrel at a time and opening up on Thursday through Saturday and selling mm-hmm. beer and having fun with it. But I think the key with that, Larry, is that you kind of, especially in the state of Michigan, which is now a huge beer state. I mean, there's just beer. It's a fantastic place to visit in terms of like Bev touring is all sorts, or all sorts of places to see. But you were one of the first people back in the day to show people that you could do this and survive 
and make a couple of bucks, you know, and keep on going. Well, we didn't make any bucks in the early days, you know, and <laughs> we we're making beer in straight computer locker country. Um, but, you know, I think uh, it was really nice. I was watching a, a sort of a local Michigan movie the other day, and they were talking with the guys from Founders, and, and they had some kudos saying, you know, Bells was here, and they kind of set the bar high. So when we opened, we wanted to make sure that, you know, we're doing at least what, what Bells is doing. Um, you know, and I, I made a lot of stout as, as a home brewer. I make barley wine. I, I used to make something called Dr. Bell's Medicinal Stout, which is very important to listen to some Sun Ra records <laughs> as, as, you, as you made it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I always like really full-flavored uh, beers, and, you know, if you're going to go out and do it legally, that's, that's what I wanted to go out to do so let's go back let's go back to earlier so you, you had a homebrew shop you started raising shares so what was the next step and and did you keep selling homebrew supplies still do to this day to this our, day our yeah. our homebrew sales are through the flipping roof yep uh you know i got great guys in there we do classes every month um you know we're helping sponsor national homebrewers convention is coming to Grand Rapids this June will certainly be a big part of sponsoring that, and we we love we have a homebrew competition every year where we have our own barley farm. So on our anniversary weekend in September, we have the homebrewers come in. We give away thirty barrels of wort made from the barley mm. from our farm, mm. five gallons at a time, and then the the homebrewers can make whatever they want out of it. That's the base, and then the winning homebrewer gets to come brew their beer at our place. So, Larry, you've seen from 83 to now, you've seen this whole homebrew revolution really take off. How have you seen the demographic shift with uh, the homebrewers that are coming in the shop and buying ingredients now? You know, I remember when I was, for a while, I was on the Association of Brewers Board when homebrewing had really dipped, mm-hmm. you know, back in the early 2000s. And now all of a sudden we have this resurgence mm-hmm. again. Uh, as far as demographics go, there's a lot of young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing it. There's those home brewers who start home brewing and go, ah, heck with that. I can buy, there's so much good uh-huh. beer out there, I'll just go buy beer. But um, it's it's really a crossbar. It tends to be a white male dominated mm-hmm. uh, hobby as mm-hmm. is sort of craft brew industry. So it's it's not that different. Mm-hmm. I want to ask a question, Larry, and this is something that I think that follows along where we were. Uh, which is that you also set a precedent for uh, political involvement. And I know that in Michigan, the, the Brewers Guild there is, is quite politically active and that you were a part of that. Can you tell us a little bit about that from the early days, what that was like? Ooh, that's a serious question. Yeah, man. <laughs> I remember. I'll get all serious on you and stuff. I remember the first, first bill uh, I had in, I went to Senate committee and the lobbyists for the wholesalers stood up. And they had me kicked out into the hallway so fast I couldn't believe it. (laughs) My local senator said, well, you learned something today, young man. But working with Tom Burns, God rest his soul, uh, we were able to pass a – well, first I was able to pass a $2 per barrel tax break. Ah. Michigan has the highest um, excise taxes of any northern industrial state. So I was able to get this $2 rebate for small breweries. We started at 5,000 barrels. That has since grown up to 30,000 barrels. And I think that that – Really has been extremely helpful in, uh, for small breweries to get going in Michigan. And then uh, with Tom Burns and myself, a couple people, we got the brew pub legislation mm-hmm. passed. So 
June 11th, 93, we were the first Michigan brewery to sell beer by the glass to the public. And that opened up a whole new level of involvement or opportunity for, for these other breweries to come along. We have some bills in the Michigan legislature now. Things are a little bit more complex um, because we do have, you know, what the brew pubs think and what the microbrewers think and what production breweries think and how does that go with the wholesalers and the, the two retailer associations, you know, for the bars and the grocers association. It's tough to get consensus on some of those things and get everybody to pull together, but uh, I think we're working on that pretty well. Do you feel like people really see the numbers now? They see the jobs? They see the, I mean, we always say on the Happy Hour Guys, we say that, you know, brewers make great neighbors. You know, they they tend to put money back into their communities. They tend to bring jobs. It, it really is great on a local level because, yeah, you can see those jobs there, and uh, there tends to be a lot of philanthropy uh-huh. in the brewing industry, giving back to charity. Uh, doing events for charity within the community. Uh, I think people like that because they can come out, they can touch and see the brewery, and they know the people that's there. You know, it's part of the whole change in culture that we've been going on since the 60s that's just not with beer, but where people, it's the local movement, it's Mm -hmm. a healthier movement, and people don't necessarily want to get their products from a faceless corporation. They want to be able to come out and see it and go, oh, yeah, I've, I've I've been to the eccentric cafe or, you know, yeah, I, I took the tour over at Brooklyn. I met those guys. I like them and I want to support that organization now. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how important do you say that a lot of these craft breweries are to a sense of civic pride? Like how did the town of Kalamazoo rally around you when you were opening up? Yeah. Or well, did they not? <laughs> did they hate you? Good question. L- lunatic Larry by the railroad track selling beer in a bag in a box. I uh, will take two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes a prophet is never known in, in his hometown. Mm. Um, you know, it takes a while because when I started, just craft beer wasn't wasn't mm. happening. But we get a lot of support from our community now. We get a lot of support from state of Michigan because back in the day, I was I was local beer to all of Michigan. Yeah. I was the only guy. You were alone. <laughs> uh, I'm driving up to the UP there. You know. Oh yeah. You know I. That was that was it. Well, I don't know if y'all folks out there know, but I'm I was I grew up in the UP there, so I I kind of know what it's like. I've lived in New York for 20 years, but uh, whenever I go back after about 30 minutes, I start. You know, talking when, when like he came this. back after Christmas, Jimmy, he looked like he had like <laughs> combat fatigues and army boots, and he had these big chops, and it looked like he'd been out hunting or something. That's, I, that's you were wearing, just your, how you, wearing your swampers. I was yeah. just like you do, you know. But Larry's got on like this kind of duck red hat. Oh no, no that's that's a, a that's a crummer. That's it, that's a stormy crummer. This this is a very this is a, a upper peninsula made very famous hat. As a matter of fact, there are those those hats are in Sochi right now at the Olympics. Well, Larry, I mean, <laughs> we're gonna take a break before we did it. Gotcha. Okay. You, you, you got the, the Bell's Brewery, and what's the other brewery? The Upper something. Uh, we're opening a new brewery in the Upper Peninsula called Upper Hand Brewery. Um, sort of a fun little side project, and. Uh, yeah, we do it like this, guys. We're, yep. we're all playing with our hands here in the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, He's so handsy. We actually, and we're not going to make Bell's products up there. We're only going to sell that beer in the Upper Peninsula and across the Northern Tier. Um, so we got a trademark, federal trademark on Upper Hand, and then we also got a federal trademark not on IPA but on UPA, <laughs> Upper Peninsula <laughs> Ale. And we're just going to have some fun. It's a little twenty-barrel system up there. You know, sweet little brand new brewery with 
nice equipment, but on a small scale. By chance, do you have a summer house up there? Uh, two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my family goes back like 100 years up there, so I go up there a lot and... You know, is it a retirement project? It's a it's called a semi retirement yeah. project. <laughs> Didn't Jolly Pumpkin do a similar thing too, where they opened up another secondary brewery in the Upper Peninsula? They're up in uh, the Traverse City. Traverse City yeah. I'm They're Northern Lower. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and it's funny the UP is discovering craft beer in a way that that we didn't expect they would, which is kind of great. Jimmy, when Who are they? when we op- <laughs> when we open, we'll be the thirteenth brewery in the Upper Peninsula, which has a population of 300,000. That's right. So That's right. Fill Michigan Stadium three times, and you've got the entire peninsula. I mean, per capita number of breweries, that's pretty high. You know what's cool about this is I've never been to Michigan, mm. and I feel like I'm learning a lot. But I'm, I'm taking you I, to I Michigan, I want to make a Jimmy. toast, everybody. Thanks for coming on. I, I will say, so, uh, our listeners on Heritage Radio Network, we know that they're listening from England to, to Michigan. We've, we've had a lot of regulars calling about that, and uh, we know that, that you're interested in what's going on with Larry Bell, and also I know that many of you like to know places to come in New York City, and when we come back after the short break, we'll talk about some of the places that Larry Bell is uh, visiting here in New York City when we come back on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. To be made digging great. She says a lot of things. You're listening to When It Rains by Four Lincolns on Heritage Radio Network.org. So, you like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the great beer test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today. Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I've got the best beer journalist in America here, Josh Bernstein. The best actor who talks about beer, Jimmy Ludwig. beer talking actor. <laughs> one of the best bar owners in New York, Paul Kermazian, and uh, one of the best brewers, at least in Michigan, Larry Bell. Oh, come on. So the we're entire back here, country. Heritage the Radio country. Network. Check us out. Go, go to the heritageradionetwork.org and uh, get a membership. I just did. I renewed my membership. I got two cards for like something, I don't know. A very good price, and I can go to a lot of events and discounts around town and all that. It's kind of like the you know public radio, and it's it is a nonprofit. But Heritage Radio Network, we're really proud to be part of it. And we know many of you guys are listening from Michigan and other places, and we're really proud to have Jimmy Ludwig from the Upper Peninsula. 
<laughs> and Larry Bell on. So wait, before you do that, Jimmy, uh, what were you just drinking? We Larry Bell is here in New York for the first time. Uh, this is a special week in New York City. He's launching in Brooklyn and Manhattan and a lot of different bars. And we're really proud to have you on. So for our listeners, we just had a, a couple of your beers. And just, just tell us quickly some of the beers we had. Okay, we've got our Smitten Golden Rye Ale. This is the second year that we've bottled it. We do it in January, February, kind of around Valentine's Day because, you know, what do men want for Valentine's Day? Beer. Beer. Um, <laughs> But it's just, you know, uh, nice rye, a little bit of dry hop, spiciness of the rye. Uh, Bell's Amber Ale, which that's kind of the beer that built uh, the brewery in, back in the 80s and early 90s. Uh, doesn't get enough love. Extremely food-friendly beer. Uh, Michael Jackson always used to consistently say he thought it had a soft, peachy, apricot fruitiness to it. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh uh, Bell's Midwestern Pale Ale. Uh, this is our pale ale that we make with. That's some... pretty. Fu- that was pretty. Can you say that again, Larry? I, I, I can say that I've been accused okay. of having a soft peachy fruitiness in the past, but that I don't think they fun. were talking about amber <laughs> ale. I'm not we'll sure. talk later. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe at a night of joy. <laughs> Cocktails, anyone? Um, the Midwest uh, Midwestern Pale Ale. Uh, we've got a barley farm up in uh, Shepherd, Michigan. And uh, we're growing two-row up there. So uh, this features some of our Michigan locally grown uh, barley. We do get a little bit of Michigan hops in there. Not a lot because there just isn't a lot there. Uh, Bell's Two-Hearted Ale, greatbeer.com, just uh, rated at the number one IPA in the world. Um, and, Congratulations. Uh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and 7% alcohol. This is uh, uh, features uh, one hop, the Centennial Hop. Uh, throughout it, uh, dry hopped. Uh, you know, for us, I guess, because we're in the Midwest, sort of the breadbasket of the country, we've always kind of been a brewery that's about balance and, uh, you know, not just indiscriminately throwing hops at a beer. But uh, so that has a good malt backbone, uh, nice bitterness, uh, probably too dangerous of a drinkability mm-hmm. uh, at 7%. Uh, and that's that's sort of becoming our flagship these days. It's nice. We're having, we're having a great time tasting through them. I know Paul Kermesian's here f- from Barcade Bar, and you're going there after the show tonight for a tasting. Paul, uh, what, what made you get so inspired? You've got like 14 beers on tap or something like that, 14 right? 14 beers tonight, yeah. It's going to be a big event. I, we expect a big turnout. Uh, as a lot of people have been anxiously awaiting uh, Bell's Beers in, in New York, so... Well, and you know, so Paul and I know each other from when Paul was oh one or oh two. When did you do the movie? Two thousand two. Two thousand two. Yeah. Paul did the movie, and uh, I have a starring role in it. I have my IMBD page because of Paul's movie. <laughs> it's one of your finest performances. I think. I think I was the only one that got you guys sick drunk. Yeah, I think so. A lot of people got us drunk, but you got us beyond drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, what was the movie? Uh, American Beer was a documentary that... Uh, oh, no, no. It was I a documentary. It was a documentary <laughs> that was filmed in uh, 2002, 12 years ago. I can't... Uh, I've seen it, 12 years ago. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. Uh, so yeah, much Larry's fun. one of the stars of it. Now, I have to say, I was at a, a bar in Midtown yesterday, and uh, they were waiting at a little craft beer bar. It's kind of new. It was called Beer Culture. It's on 45th Street in Midtown. And I walked in at 1 p.m., and the owner was standing at the door like a high schooler waiting for his prom date. And he was waiting for the truck to pull up and for your kegs to roll in. It was crazy. It's it's a little nutty right now in New York. Where else are we going to be seeing bells in New York? Um, 
Well, Matt, you want to jump in and, and give us well, some I know of the short answer, answer everywhere. Yes, <laughs> number everywhere. And this is one of, uh, I'd say, in the past 10 years, the uh, one of the biggest um, brewery rollouts in, in New York City. Um, we've seen a lot of new breweries come, come to the market in the last... 10 years, even more so in the last five years, but this is absolutely the biggest. You know, uh, our philosophy, I think it's aligned with Bell's philosophy is the right beer, right account. So, you know, you're, you're going to want to, you're going to see Bell's in every relevant craft beer account anywhere that, um, you know, people are looking for a, uh, you know, an, in the off premise, a quality six pack that you know is going to, you're going to get fresh. It's going to be stored cold, mm-hmm. um, but you will pretty much see it, uh, uh, it go rampant in New York so what City. Are, what are the couple places you brought them to? So today, today was a big uh, Brooklyn day. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow being more Manhattan. So touching on Brooklyn, we uh, we started this morning at a Mugs Ale House, which is one one of the first craft beer bars in New York City. Um, Ed and Helena, who own the place, are craft beer enthusiasts. Um, then we uh, then we went to Dirk the Norseman, which is a new brew pub in Brooklyn. Uh, same owners as Browery Lane, which is one of the great craft beer uh, uh, destinations. Then over to Park Slope, where we went to Beercraft, um, which is a great on-off-premise growler sure, yeah. shop, uh, bottle shop. Then to uh, the brand-new, fancy, shiny, third-on-third Whole Foods Brooklyn, which has <laughs> an amazing beer set, great Huge. rooftop bar. Yeah. Um, then to uh, High Dive, which is a great cross-dive bar, beer bar, awesome mm-hmm. beer list. Um, Bells, All these places, Bells on Tap in package. Then to The Gate, which is, again, like mugs, one of the – uh, first established craft beer bars um, in Park Slope in New York City, and then uh, last and uh, not least, the Owl Farm, where we met the entire group of Bar Great Harry, Mission Dolores, and Owl Farm. The whole the whole crew was there to greet Larry, had beers, and uh, just talked about beer. And those are the type of establishments you'll find Bell's at. Beer at every stop? <laughs> Two. <Yeah. laughs> so, so, Larry, now, I mean, it's been... You know, come from the Midwest myself, I grew up in Ohio, and everyone's like, when's Bell's going to come to New York City? When's Bell's going to come to New York City? So why now? Why is Bell's coming to New York City Great in question. 2014? Great well, question. you know, New York uh, is uh, the first new state that we've taken on in five years. We mm. haven't had any geographical growth. And uh, it was, you know, it's just time. You know what? We're a big brewery. It's time to put your big boy pants on. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's still, you know, it's a little daunting to uh-huh. come to the city. But so we started New York by doing upstate first, uh-huh. just to kind of walk before we run, get some people hired, make sure we had our ducks in a row, and then come come actually take on the city. So what are the big challenges of coming into the metropolis? You know, 8 million people in the city, 19 million metro area, 50 million tourists a year. Do you have to take into account those sort of numbers and like anticipate how much demand you're going to have? Uh, well, I think the the big thing was selecting uh-huh. proper wholesaler mm-hmm. and then just actually, you know, you sit down and you, you do numbers, you forecast numbers, what you can do. You know, 50 million tourists want bells. Uh-huh. I can't do it. <laughs> I'd love to, but I can't. Uh-huh. But again, you know, you know, uh, finding people that you can partner with and and uh, and present the beer properly. And and then, you know, once you get yourself established, then we can grow from there. Did you have to pick and choose what parts of your product line you'd bring into New York City? Or are there any ones that we're not going to see or things that may be coming in later on? Uh, I think we're pretty much trying to do the whole product line. Uh, there was some... We we knew we were going to bring Hop Slam in, uh-huh. but, we didn't, but we didn't tell anybody because we didn't want 
Except for the internet. Yeah. <laughs> well, we tried to keep it as quiet as we could, that damn internet. Um, You're king of rate beer. Uh, <laughs> in IMDb, you've won the internet. Yeah. Which one's the best one? Is it Too Hearted or, or Hop Slam? Uh, Hop Slam's got all the hype. Everybody, I mean, it, it, I know people in Michigan that will crawl over their grandmother to get a six-pack of Hop Slam. We call it Crack Slam at work. <laughs> we just had Hop Slam gate down in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, my there's, God. My uh, little brother lives there, and he told me uh, about that. You know, it's like, Guess where there's Hop Slam in New York this week? Jimmy's number 43 in the East Village. Yes! Nice so, plug, Jimmy. There you go. <laughs> well, I did, Again, I didn't really know much about, about Bells because I've never been to Michigan and never had it, but many of my staff said, you know, what do you get? Getting, so you better get hop slam. And I yeah, said, okay, we'll, we better we'll get hop slam. And you were we'll have it at Barcade tonight. Nice. Yeah, we got Barcade tonight, and then tomorrow, I know for sure I'll be over in Manhattan. I know for sure that I'm going to be stopping by the Blind Tiger, and uh, tomorrow night we finish up at Ginger Man. Oh, nice. Which is right. what on and I, and I will give yeah, you a plug. You guys yeah, really, you really do have a charitable component. You're doing a great job. Uh, there's an event that we're hosting tomorrow night called Brisket King in New York City with. 20 different chefs serving brisket, and uh, we worked something out where we're getting about 50 cases of Bell's. I know you guys are actually making a, a charitable donation to the Grow NYC Youth Ed Market, Youth Ed Program. So I think that's a great way to enter New York City, and mm-hmm. awesome. thanks for helping them out. Yeah, there's over 60 green markets in the city, and they have a program where school kids can come and uh, learn about farms and everything else. And uh, Once again. You may not know it, but you guys are making a donation, so thank you. Brewers making great neighbors, man. Yeah. It just continues. No, it, it really is. And, and I say you're in, it's, it's, you remind me of uh, Tony McGee from Lagunitas. I don't know if that's a... Tony's in Aruba right now. With, is he? Yeah. So your buddy. At, at, at the convention that I skipped to come for the rollout in New York. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah that, is, that is important. I mean, you're here in fairly chilly. I mean, not by Michigan standards, but somewhat chilly and somewhat frozen New York. You could have been in Aruba this week. <laughs> I, no, I got off the plane. It was 28 degrees yesterday. Yesterday, it was like, this is spring. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> but, you know, you're kind of matter of fact. I mean, like, you, you basically started with, I mean, you're the dream that so many guys want, and, and that's what's so cool about it is we talked about, you know, a, a great brewery like Blue Point get, getting bought by a larger company. And, you know, at some point, I'm sure everyone has to move on in some way. But at the same time, it, it, it seems daunting to many people to think that, oh, I could never open a brewery or, or, or the, the breweries are – you know, it's over now. You know, these guys have so much money and they're starting. But you know, uh, it t- you know it takes time to build a brand. You can't build a brand overnight. Uh, I'd read an article a couple years ago. Some Labatt's guys saying they thought it took twenty years to build brand equity. I don't know about you know right now in the craft movement. I think you can build some equity in your brands sooner than that. Of course, today's consumer is. Uh, you know, not quite as loyal. They're, they might be loyal to craft more so, uh, but not necessarily a brewery. But you don't just start off your first day going, "Hey, you know, I've got a new new beer, and everybody's got to buy it." You, you, it takes a long time for for people to understand your beer and your philosophy of beer and and want to go go buy that day in day out. When you really, I mean, you hung in there. You know, I mean, I'm sure there were plenty of times, especially starting when you did, when nobody knew from craft beer back in the 80s and even in the early 90s, you hung in there. And that's that really you have you have staying power. I think there's a segment in Paul's movie where I talk about having to go see the bankruptcy attorney and he says, I need twenty five hundred dollar retainer. I said, well, I don't have twenty five hundred dollars. I didn't have enough money to go bankrupt. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You You didn't. Uh, yeah, you know that's inspiring. Let me I mean, get some back, some more. So, so Jimmy from from Michigan. Yep. It, 
being a young guy mm-hmm. when you were drinking bells, just tell us a few memories of that, and then I want to ask Paul about when he interviewed. Actually, I mean, for me, it was sorry, it was, ten years ago. It's about one of the seasonals that everybody in Michigan knows about from bells, and that's Oberon. Oberon, you know, getting getting Oberon is a. Uh, your your spring hasn't started until you've had your first sip of Oberon in Michigan. When did you first make that beer, Larry? I think ninety or ninety one, and I was. It was originally called Soul Sun. That's right, S O L S U N, which was a bastardization of the word Saison. And I was trying to make a you know cloudy wheat beer for the summertime, and you know never ever did I imagine that we could sell so much wheat beer in America, and you know. That that's been the driver of Bell. Jimmy's right. Oberon opening day in Michigan is a national holiday. It's incredible. So you, what, what do you do? Launch it same time every year? Uh, usually about a week before baseball season, the Monday before baseball season. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, when Oberon comes, you have survived the winter. Yep. And thank if, God, even if it's still frozen, the thaw is on its way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, it's like at our bar, we might tap thirty-two kegs of Oberon. Opening day, the yep. bar half block down is eighteen. It's just all over the state. It's, it's crazy. a huge day, and it's it's become a rite of like a rite of passage for people. You know, it's like I know the seasons have changed. It's Oberon time, and now Hop Slam is starting to approach that a little bit too. It's like I know you know a certain that I know a certain month of the calendar has flipped over when I can get myself a Hop yeah, Slam. but Hop Slam's five thousand barrels, and Oberon's a hundred thousand barrels. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Hey, we're gonna have to take a short break. Uh, we'll be back in a few minutes when we come back. Paul's going to talk a little bit about when he, when he first interviewed you about 10 years ago for his movie, too. Okay? All right. We'll be back on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. This is Big Town by Four Lincolns on heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We've got a special show tonight. We've got great audience, but we're really talking with Larry Bells from Bells in Michigan. It's their launch in New York City. And uh, there's a lot of things going on, so we're going to get straight to it. Uh, Paul Kermesian from Barcade. Paul, you, you did a great movie called American Beer, and a big part of that was interviewing Larry Bell. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Why not? <laughs> I'll tell you what I remember of it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time ago, right? Like well, 10, yeah, 12 it, it was a long time ago. Yeah, but of the evening was was also a rough one. Uh, basically, in the film, what we would do is we would uh, show up at a brewery and uh, 
the host would uh, of the brewery, owner or brewer usually would we do a tasting and do an interview, and then sometimes we'd go out for a few beers. Uh, Larry, uh, I think you had said you had time for one. Go out for one <laughs> beer. I think is what you what you well, told I'm us. I'm not going out all night with you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like he he lured us into that one. We were like, all right, we'll go out for one. Maybe we can get him out. Keep him out for two. And then we went started at the eccentric cafe, and then we went to the old hat. Uh, so I take these guys. I had this little country brew pub, and we get out there, and it was the, it was their thirteenth day on the road. Five guys all in a van together, and one of my bartenders. It was her twenty first birthday, and all her little girlfriends were out. I swear to God, there is footage in that movie that I shot because these we had a band out in Little Lot in Michigan when they start playing, everybody dancing. All these boys, you'd think they hadn't seen women in three years they've been in prison. Well, there were 13 days on the road, five guys in one van. Getting mighty lonely on the road. So they, they, they actually put, the, they put the, uh, the camera down, and I started filming them dancing in my, my bar out there. This yeah. show has. We, we were out so long that we, we ran out, our batteries ran out. So <laughs> we only filmed till about 10 p.m., but I think we were out till about 2.30 or 3. This show I, has sex, it has danger. That's awesome. <laughs> but then so with the movie, so Amer- Amer- American Beer, the movie, you interviewed Larry Bell. So, and along the way, you've collected from owning Barcade, which, you, which was your next step after that, you've collected quite a few beers in, in your cellar. What was the beer that you just poured for us? So I brought, over, uh, and, I brought over a couple ooh. Bell's beers that I've been holding for a special occasion. I don't know, you know, really basically any beer I have at home is for a special occasion. It's, you, know, you don't know when that's going to be. Like Tuesday. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> day, you're, day you're moving, which is what, what I just did recently. So I had a batch, uh, Bell's Batch 7,000 and Bell's Batch 10,000. Oh I have no God. idea when these are from. Uh, Larry maybe knows. So there's this there's collectible me. beer. So we're trying to like give the world a bell. So you know Jimmy's from Michigan, so he drinks bells, and we're tasting through the line tonight. But there's also these awesome collectible beers. Tell us about about that. Larry. Yeah. So we started you know batch number one when we opened the brewery, and then batch number one thousand we did a commemorative, and every thousand batches. So the batch seven thousand we're having this probably got to be five years old now, um, and got to be. And uh, wow, every batch is every time you do a, a thousand batch is different, a different beer, it's different beer, and it's a one off. And you kind of you kind of do it so that it could never be repeated. Um, and the seven thousand, why do you kill the brewer? <laughs> <laughs> Larry's come back from the dead about what's that batch 10,000 10 times now. So, Are you actually the brewer? I mean, did you start as the brewer? Was that your passion, or you're like, the, no, that was my I was, the guy. I was everything in the it was me. You know, I was one employee, you know, and I still have my, my fingers in brewing, but I got a lot of highly qualified people. I, I got to come out and do radio shows with you. you know? And we're so glad that you did. And, and we're going to give a shout out. You know what? There are a couple of things that we got excited about. First of all, a couple weeks ago in the barbershop, I, re- I read Playboy when I go to the barbers. I can say that. And there was an article. For the articles. They have deep articles. It was. It was. It's a conservative brewer, Larry Bell, speaks out against the Keystone Pipeline. And because of that, I thought, wow, we can go deeper with this interview. And we have a good friend out in the Midwest, Lucy Saunders, a Siebel Institute cooking with beer author. And uh, she's active with the Great Lakes Water Conference. But anyways, that's an interesting side note. But let's talk about that for a minute. You know, we had... um, He doesn't have Playboy. He only has Sports Illustrated at home. At my barber. (laughs) (laughs) I got to figure out which of my friends read Playboy uh, from that. I have my picture in there. My my father would be so proud. Um, (laughs) You know, we've had an issue with the Enbridge uh, Pipeline Company in Kalamazoo where uh, three years ago we had the largest 
inland oil spill ever in the United States in the Kalamazoo River. A big mess. And uh, they're still cleaning it up, and uh, they're trying to put some remediation facilities next to our brewery, process this benzene-laden uh, tar sands. And I really got involved more about what's going on uh, with these pipelines in the country and with water. And, you know, for brewers, water's our lifeblood. And for me, our conversation about energy in the country can't just be about energy. It's about water because in the end, that's that's our lifeblood. You, you can't drink oil. You got to drink water. And for brewers all across the country, uh, I think it's time for us to come together and start having that discussion about how we're going to defend clean water in the country. I, I'm all for, for the United States being uh, self-sufficient energy-wise, but uh, I really think it's time for the country to have a serious talk about where this energy comes from and what's it going to do to our environment uh, as we go forward as a society. And we're really aware of that in Michigan as well because, you know, you're surrounded by these beautiful Great Lakes that are – it, it does them a disservice to call them lakes. They are seas. They are inland oceans yeah and when you see these things you just you fall to your knees they're so amazing i mean you can't see the other side and that's fresh water and when you see all that there you think i got to take care of this i yeah. have to care for this so enbridge has a, a 60 year old pipeline that runs under the straits of mackinac that connects lakes michigan and huron and they want to start pumping this uh, diluted bitumen the the tar sands through there at a higher pressure than ever before and were there to be a spill in the Straits of Mackinac, you're talking about contaminating Lakes Michigan and Huron. Uh, you're talking about contaminating Mackinac Island, which is our top tourist attraction in the state. And everybody takes their water. Our new brewery up in Escanaba we're building is going to take Lake Michigan water. So, you know, we've got to keep that clean. And getting serious too. So uh, you know, you know Lucy Saunders. Uh, yeah, Lucy have you been friend. to the, her Great Lakes Water Conference? I I haven't personally, but we have, my guys have presented papers there, and we're certainly active with it. So so definitely, we're seeing more. Like I know at Oma Gang, they're more involved with the fracking issues, caring about their water. So, but water yeah. is a big issue for brewers. Absolutely, it's a big issue. You know, it's a big issue for access to it for for the guys out west. Uh, but then cleanliness, as we have this boom in in fracking and pipelines, we got to guarantee that we got a, a clean water source. And I've tried having that conversation with some of the big guys who I know, and maybe we'll get somewhere where I, I would really love to see a unified voice of the brewers, the Beer Institute, the Brewers Association, come out with a policy about clean water in America. We're not quite there yet. I, I would hope to see, you know, in Germany... The brewers all signed the petition to ban fracking. And, you know, I think we might need to get somewhere that, that way, way here in the States. I feel like we're headed in that direction. But, again, it, it takes people like you guys to sort of lead that charge, you know, kind of like you did before, becoming politically active just to keep your brewery going yeah, well, in the yeah, state. of course, Jimmy, it's a lot because every environmentalist in the country has read Playboy or seen me inside Climate News or something. In the barbershop. In the barbershop. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, I did a conversation the other on Friday. The barbershop has Playboy guys. That's right. Yeah. Everybody. My, my barbershop. And he nice reads Russian the articles. Nice he read the articles. Guys. They have Playboy. And guess what else they have? They even have like vodka for you to 
Sip while you wait. This is you don't even have that much hair, Jimmy. How much time do you spend in the barbershop? It's the beard. That's why he does. That's why he doesn't have hair. He's there all the time. Playboy. It's a men's club. I want to buy a subscription. I wanted to ask something. I mean, if we're done with this this this, uh, particular conversation, but I wanted to ask about something. And this was something I heard actually when the Happier Guys when we were shooting at your brewery uh, about a year and a half ago. uh, We went into a room with Laura, and she showed us some old Cypress fermentation tanks that you had bought from Stroh's. Which yeah. is a, a, an old legacy brewer that my dad grew up drinking, and every Michigan guy grew up drinking. Well, Jimmy, what's a Cypress fermentation tank? Yeah. Well, so there was an arranged lunch between John Stroh III and myself a few years ago, and out of that, we bought two things for Mr. Stroh these uh, three fermentation tanks and a 1926 Model T beer delivery truck. <laughs> it says powered by Schlitz on it. Um, but uh, so. These tanks were originally made in 1904 for the Stroh Brewery Company downtown Detroit, and um, they hold, we think, about 160, 175 barrels each, open top. They're they're really beautiful. Uh, John Mallet, who works for me, who's one of the world's smartest brewers, went and found three solid bottoms uh, and the sides to go with them, and the woodworkers had to kind of change it a little bit to make them go. So now we have them put together the hoops on them um water in them we still have to put some fittings on them to bring them up to code we built a special room at the brewery that's an air a positive displacement air room you'll have to dip your feet because it's open fermentation Mm -hmm. and and we're going to have kind of a tip of the hat to to stroh so we're thinking about making maybe sort of a lighter bock beer or something a dark lager or something that'll be keg only we won't bottle it because of the open top fermentation. We're a little worried about and, uh, about that. And just so you guys know, uh, Stroh's closed the same year that Larry officially or near yeah, the same time. But now, Jimmy, here's started. the great thing: growing up in Michigan, yeah. well, it's joked that Stroh spelled backwards was shorts. Now we have Shorts Brewery <laughs> in Michigan. Right. Shorts spelled backwards is Stroh's. Go figure. <laughs> so who Karma. Are- who owns the Who owns the Stroh's brand these days? Is it still being Paps? Pre- Paps, Paps I believe Paps. Yeah, but Paps is of course like another kind of like theoretical brewery too. But I have to they tell they you, own a lot of the kind of old regional brands yeah. that they brew now. They bought them up. Yeah. But I have to tell you that when I told my dad, you know, ex-military, you know, kind of hard hard guy about this, he I, I saw a tear in his eye. I'm going to say I saw just a glimmer of a tear in his eye that you were going to be using that old equipment. Yeah, you know, I collect a lot of stuff. I like collecting Buriana, so we've got some nice stro pieces that we're going to put there, you know. And when I first joined Master Brewer, Stroh's had closed, but they still had research and offices there. So I used to go to Master Brewer's District Detroit, and you, you know, when you were going to the Gross Point Hunt Club, you damn well better have on a coat and tie. Now you wear. <laughs> now I'm the old school guy. The meaning I'll wear a tie to Master Brewers. Like, dude, we got to cut what's, that what's off. What's the hat that you recommend? You're wearing this red hat, Stormy Cromer. Okay, that's what you wear. But hey, quick thing. Okay, last question. You're here in New York City. What do you think about? Like, what does New York mean to you? Yeah, how you like? Tell us something York, about man. New York for our listeners. How you liking it? You know, I was trying to think. I think in life, this is my tenth visit. To New York City, I remember my first when I was four years old because I got to go to Yankee Stadium. I'm a big baseball fan, wow. and uh, I'm I'm really uh, pleasantly surprised, uh, excited about uh, the buzz around around New York. There really is. There's a lot of Michigan people here. A lot of people that 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 know about the brand. I 
think much more so than I thought. So, boy, things are going pretty well. well I'm learning a lot gosh. about Brooklyn yeah. today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that you know New York has never really been a beer town. We are a cocktail town, a wine town. But, you know, New York never has anything in half measures, so we're becoming a beer town, mm-hmm. and it's become a really great beer town. And so we're very happy to have Bells in town as well. Hell yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to step in and just want to say, hey, the New York City Beer Week's coming up, and uh, a couple of events, the opening night. This year will be at Grand Central Terminal. The New York City Brewers Guild has organized that, and that's pretty cool. That I is mean, so cool. I was talking to some of the organizers. They said they actually have to deal with Homeland Security because they're bringing CO2 into Grand Central Terminal. So they've overcome a lot to make this happen. It's going to be a great event. Opening night bash. Uh, check out uh, New York City Beer Week. And then our event, which uh, Beer Sessions Radio and Dave Broderick and a bunch of us produce, uh, it's New York City's Brewer's Choice. This year we have over 25 brewers, mostly from New York, New York State. And the thing that's cool for Larry is that all of them are making beer with New York State Grain Malt which is a special project with the regional yeah, uh, cool. grains project, which is yeah. we're, we're starting to do that. So, And our buddy Jeff O'Neill is a keynote speaker. So there's a lot of cool things going on with New York City Beer Week. On another note, I just want to say that um, there's some producers outside, but this is actually our 200th episode. Oh, I mean, congrats. <laughs> congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations, it's Jimmy. Year. It's been four years. And I right, started with my book, Goodbye, Ray Dieter, who died. And Brie O'Connor was our producer for a long time. And uh, a lot of great friends. And many of you have been on the show a lot. I just want to say that uh, before they get crazy out there, we're going we're gonna to crack some bells over there. And uh, I'd like to thank our sponsors always at greatbrewers.com. This is their fourth year also sponsoring. Thanks so much for keeping this alive. And we say we take it one show at a time. And how many beers at a time we drink? About five at a time, right? <laughs> I think around 11 <laughs> in my count. And right Josh, now, okay. let's talk about beer stars. Josh, you always joke. What do you say about this? this? We're just a lot of people in one room drinking beer. Something like Is that, that my joke? <laughs> <laughs> terrible joke if that's my joke. That's why you're the writer. No, my, no, my wife was basically going on beer sessions. She's going to come home drunk again, and which happens all the time. And you're like, why is that bad? Yeah. yeah. It's like it's Tuesday. <laughs> and one last thing, quick around. Jimmy, just everyone say one quick thing before we sign off. Jimmy. Jimmy Ludwig from the Happy Hour Guys. Come see us, man. HappyHourGuys.com. Bell's Night at Barcade tonight. Don't miss it. Rock on. Uh, Josh Bernstein, author of The Complete Beer Course. Buy it. Give my daughter And we didn't talk about your cave tour. Uh, We're bringing you back, Josh, because you have some of the coolest things going on for Brick. The homebrew jamboree that sold out. And uh, we're investigating underground uh, lagering caves in 1860s Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, there's there's you, you, and we're going to talk about so next cool. time we're bringing Josh back. We're talking about all the old brewery and brewery cave places in in, in New York because he really knows more than anybody. Hmm. So, and Larry, say a few words before we go. New York City Bells couldn't be happier. Thank you. All right, and thanks for coming on. We've got our great sponsors, and again, thanks to Larry, Matt from uh, Union Beer. We got Paul, Josh. Jimmy Ludwig, and uh, I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. Our producers, Jack Inslee, Maggie Seiden, Justin Kennedy, and our new engineer, Evan DeVito. I finally know his name. Thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. Hey! Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.